just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Tuesday. Already a lot of things happening. Of course, the Supreme Court will hear the opening arguments on this student loan relief situation. We talked about that yesterday. We'll have to wait and see what happens. If they allow it, then things will go as we expect. If they don't allow it, then that deal will not happen. But I have a feeling that Joe Biden has some alternative ideas, a uh, ace up his sleeve, I'm guessing. I don't know what that would be, but this could be a tough situation for Joe Biden. He made this big promise. Everybody got excited about it. Everybody celebrated about it. And now if the Supreme Court takes it away, that's going to piss off a lot of people, not only at the Supreme Court, but at the Democrats. Whether that's justified or not doesn't matter. That's what people will do. They're counting on, planning on having this extra money, taking some of the pressure off of them. I will tell you this, though. If there is no relief, it is going to have an impact on the economy, not just the $10,000 or the $20,000, but the moment people have to start paying back their loans, that's going to tighten things up for all these younger people. And that means they're not going to be able to buy as much stuff. They aren't going to be able to buy cars or houses. And when that happens, that's when it hits the economy. And that's when the Trump folks say, what the fuck happened? Because they can't look beyond the end of their nose. All right, let's get started. We have uh, a couple of emails to read. And the uh, first one is coming to us from Eric. We've heard from Eric before. Always look forward to his comments. He says, hi, Mike. Hopefully you're feeling better. I will say this. I am feeling better. Whatever I had is starting to go away. That said, I still have a bit of a cold. I still may have to stop and cough and then edit that out after the fact, but I'm good. I'm, I'm fine. I, you know, I've been much sicker with colds before. This has been pretty light. He goes on to say, something occurred to me about why Republicans don't want to tax the wealthy or even make sure the richest of us pay their fair share. If the rich were taxed more, we would have more money coming in. With more money coming in, it would destroy the talking points about how we couldn't afford things like Social Security, Medicare, universal health care, college education, and more. The only arguments they have for why we shouldn't have those things is that we can't afford them and that people should work harder to survive. If we increase the tax revenue, then we can clearly afford those programs. Yeah, we can afford them better, but they'll still go to that uh, well and say, we can't afford it, we can't afford it. You notice how they never say, we can't afford it, when they give $2 trillion in a tax break to rich people or $900 uh, billion to the Defense Department. They never say we can't afford that. Nobody questions that. But when it comes back to us, the people, everybody says we can't afford that. And this has been going on for fucking decades. I mean, it's real easy to take our money, but when they need to reinvest in us, oh, that's a bridge too far. That's an ideology we have to change, both mostly in Republicans, but in some Democrats, too. Don't make the mistake of thinking the Democrats aren't guilty of this shit, too. They certainly are. Eric goes on to say, I recently had a couple of conversations with my boss. She is barely older than me. However, this conversation got me thinking about a few things. She was complaining about how the crew I manage isn't getting enough done and how everyone should be dripping with sweat all shift every shift. It made me realize how out of touch some people are with the current working climate. Many people are now refusing to work for low wages and aren't accepting as much bullshit like that anymore. People my age and younger have started accepting that you can't stay at one job your whole life anymore 
and that if you are going to work for someone, you want to be treated fairly and paid well. Seems reasonable. The other part of that conversation that made me think was even though she said my crew wasn't working hard enough as we talked about individual employees, it was made clear her issue was really only with one or two people. As I was thinking about the conversation tonight, I was reminded about how Republicans talk about people on assistance. They all point to the one or two people that have been reported to have been receiving benefits that they didn't deserve or spending those benefits in a way that conservatives don't agree with. The argument came to mind of people on food stamps eating better than most people which is bullshit. However, most people on assistance barely survive and need more. We also could afford to help more people if we'd tax the rich. We are the wealthiest nation, and yet we have people who can't afford food. One party wants to punish those people and either cut their aid or limit what they can buy. The other is demonizing for wanting everyone to be able to live and eat. Sorry for the long email. These are just a few things I was thinking about and wanted your thoughts. Thanks for all you do, Eric. Well, you make a good point, Eric. And you know, these people, these types of people will always exaggerate something um, to put across their agenda. My, uh, my brother made a comment one time and said that some people aren't happy unless they're miserable. And that seems to be the case with Republicans and Trumplifucks. They don't really have any ideas. They don't really have any policy. All they can do is try to own the libtards and explain about a bunch of problems that aren't really as big a problem as they suggest. Now, I've had some experience with people exaggerating things that uh, just to get their point across. And I'll bring it down to a smaller, more personal level. Uh, talk about my father again. And, and I do that because his ideology, his mindset was very much like a trump or Donald Trump himself. And I always tell this story to give the example how people will exaggerate or change their standpoint just to make their point. When I was a little kid, say I'm nine years old, okay? I'm nine years old. And I want to do something that's maybe a little above my age. You say, Jesus Christ, Mike, you're only eight years old. And I'm thinking to myself, no, I'm nine. You're only eight years old. You can't do that. (laughs) But then when I fucked up, when I did something wrong, he'd say, Jesus Christ, Mike, you're 11 years old. You see what he did there? He tried to edge it one way or another just to make it work in his narrative. And that's what Republicans do. They take everything, small things, tiny things, they expand on them, they exaggerate them to make their point. Well, in my mind, if you have to take a small item, expand and exaggerate it to make your point, it sounds to me like you don't have a fucking point. And that's the point. (laughs) None of these motherfuckers have anything legitimate that they're coming from. They're okay with giving rich people money. They're all okay with uh, spending money in the Defense Department, but when it comes back to helping us, that's a bridge too far. What if they did cut the welfare? What if they did cut the welfare? Now, that would be a tragic thing, and a lot of people would suffer. But you know who most of those people are? The motherfuckers in the red state. So you go ahead and do that. See how that does in your next election. You're not going to fare well. It's like this overturning Roe v. Wade, and we'll talk more about it. But they're finding out now that's still a big issue as we approach 2024. They thought in uh, 2022 when they did it that, oh, this will all pass and nobody will remember it and it'll be okay for the midterms. Turns out they was fucking wrong, wasn't they? So that concept, that fuck-up, cost them the 2022 election and probably will cost them the 2024 election. That's no tiny deal. When you disenfranchise, take the bodily autonomy away from 51% of America, what parallel universe are you in that makes you think that's going to get you fucking votes? I said that before the 2022 election. People kept saying, oh, it's going to be a red wave. 
Based on just that one situation, I knew it wasn't going to be a red wave because you can't piss off that many people. You can't take constitutional rights away from people and saying, you know, that was bad, but I still love the Republicans. No, that's not what happens. And in 2024, they're going to have the same problem because they're not going to do anything about this Roe v. Wade situation. They don't have the balls to go against the evangelicals and Donald Trump's base. And they don't even have the power to pass a fucking bill. They're caught between a rock and a hard space. No matter which way they turn, they're going to fucking lose. And therein lies the problem for the Republicans in 2024. I keep saying there's no way there's going to be a Republican that wins the presidency in 2024. I don't care which one you pick. They are not going to win. There's just too much dragging them down. And they keep stepping on their dicks. It's just not going to work. I understand what you're saying, Eric. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, in this world, in this country, we're supposed to be helping other people. If you truly read the Bible, and if you truly believe the Bible, isn't that the basis that we're supposed to love one another and help one another? Well, you evangelicals and you Trumplefucks are doing just the opposite. You're demonizing people that are in need because you need that money for the rich. doesn't take a genius to see that you're contrary to what your Bible is telling you. But somehow you make it work out to fit your narrative. And how do you do it? By exaggerating and demonizing people that are in need. Fuck you all. Your time is coming. The next two years are not going to be good for the Republicans. Just wait and see. They're coming apart at the seams right now, and it's not going to get any better. All right, the next email. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for the uh, uh, email. The next one comes from Doug. He says, hi, Mike. Doug again. I've been meaning to write you since you did the piece on your grandparents' passing. Life's been a little crazy. I don't recall if I mentioned it in my last email, but in late October 21, my wife passed after a brief battle with COVID. I'm sorry for your loss, Doug. Uh, You have my deepest condolences. Your story brought forth a flood of memories, most of them good regarding Lori and the life we had built together. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. No problem. You know, I think when you do a show like this, it's one thing to talk about the things we talk about, but sometimes it's a good idea to get a sense of who's telling you this shit. I mean, as much as I do the Rational Boomer podcast and I do my TikToks, I'm also a human. And, um, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of things in my life that put me in the place I am now, causes me to think the way I do. And And I will tell you this, one of the reasons, I've always told a lot of stories. I'll see things happen in my life or hear things or whatever, and it strikes me as a good story, and somehow it kind of percolates in my mind, and I always tell somebody a story. Now, my kids, every time I tell them a story, they go, we fucking heard it, we fucking heard it. So I don't tell them many stories, but I did tell them this one time. I said, you know, there's going to come a day When you're an older man, and I'm no longer here, and you're going to say to yourself, what was that story Dad told? God, I wish I could remember it. I say, you may not believe it now, but you should. I remember all the stories my grandfather told me. I even did a CD, an interview with him putting those stories, so I can refer to it later, or my grandkids can refer to it later. But... Those stories, the history of your life, is what makes you who you are today. And I've tried to pay close attention to all those things, tried to learn my lessons. And now I find myself in this podcast spewing things out. I could have done it for years, but on a radio station, they say, you can't talk about that shit. But again, it comes back to this is my fucking show. We'll talk about anything we want. Anyway. He goes on, he says, I listen to you every morning on my commute to work. That is amazing to me. I get that a lot from a lot of people. Deb said that. I appreciate it immensely. 
For the life of me, I don't know why you do, but I'm glad I can bring you something that keeps you entertained or informed or whatever it is I do. I appreciate that. That is an absolute honor when somebody tells me that. He says, I drive 60 miles one way, so I spend a lot of time behind the wheel, and listening to your thoughts on things helps the miles melt away. I don't always have time to catch your weekend stuff, as I seem to be busier now that I'm retired-ish. Would love to appear on your show and maybe even elevate to a regular contributor status. But lest I get ahead of myself, I generally can make time on any weeknight to join you and commiserate. (laughs) Look forward to hearing back from you. Keep up the good fight, Doug. I responded to Doug with an email, and I'll say it here on the podcast as well. You and anybody else who is listening to this podcast, if you want to be on the show, it's very, very simple. Just send me an email, rationalboomer at gmail.com. But I got another email, too. I look at both of them, mike at rationalboomer.com. Send me a note, say, I want to be on the show. I say, cool. I'll ask you what time zone you live in so I can kind of figure out the timing between where I am and where you are. And then you tell me what time of day you're most available. Then we work it out from there. I send you a Zoom link. We talk a little bit before the show. And then we just have a conversation. It's not formal. It's not hard. And I guarantee you the time will go by quickly when you're doing the show. So, Doug, by all means, send me that email. Tell me what I need to know. and We'll get it set up. Hell, you can be on tomorrow if you want. And that goes for everybody else listening to the podcast. All right, some interesting things in the news. Um, We had been promised another evidence dump by Dominion regarding their lawsuit against Fox News for defamation of character. I think that's what it was, along those lines anyway. And that is a lawsuit to the tune of $1.6 billion, billion with a B. And now they're releasing some evidence. The first grouping of evidence showed us that the people at Fox knew exactly what the truth is, but they chose instead to lie on their shows to make money. They knew for a fact and behind the scenes they were arguing about it because they knew this was all bullshit, that the people they were talking to were crazy, like Sidney Powell. But the fact of the matter is, they still put her on the air, even though she knew she was crazy. You know, that's well and good if you're doing some kind of comedy show or some kind of fantasy show. But you're portraying yourself as a news outlet. You're not a news outlet. You're not registered as a news outlet. You've gone into uh, trials and said, nobody would really believe the shit we're saying. But still, when you're sitting up there, Tucker Carlson, Maria Bartiromo, um, any of these fucks. When you're sitting up there, you're acting as if you're a valid news source. And people like me and people like the folks listening to this podcast know better. We know you're not fucking real. We know you're not telling the truth. But there's a fairly large group of people that are dumb as fuck and they believe you. And you can't just go on the air and lie. Well, there's some new information that came out in this recent evidence dump. In this evidence, there was a deposition with the boss, the big guy, Rupert Murdoch, 91 years old, billionaire, fucking huge billionaire. And he and his company are being sued for $1.6 billion. Now, I don't doubt he can afford to pay it if he has to, but that's still got to bite you in the ass a little bit and cause some problems. Anyway, in this deposition, he confessed to the fact that he knew these people knew the truth, and he knew they went on the air and lied. And when asked, he said, well, I suppose I could have done something, but uh, I didn't. Well, that's not really a fucking answer. What he's holding his hopes on is that the First Amendment, that he um, could get by with the First Amendment. And, you know, frankly, the other part of what he wants to try to sell us is that 
the lawyer was saying, well, Fox News did this and Fox News did that. And he said, no, Fox News didn't do it. The commentators did it. Oh, that's interesting. See what he's trying to do there. He's trying to differentiate between the commentators and Fox. They're separate entities. Fox News didn't do anything wrong, just the commentators. And you notice how he called them commentators, not news people. Well, unfortunately for um, Rupert Murdoch, you have to understand that these people are paid by Rupert Murdoch. They don't write these stories. Fox News writers write these stories. These stories are okayed by Fox News and obviously by Rupert Murdoch. So the idea that you're trying to separate yourself from the commentators and throw them under the bus, God damn it, I don't think that's going to work. It's just not going to work. But he's trying. He's trying. He knows that his, um, um, his legitimacy and credibility as a news source, even though they're not really a news source, The people that believe him think he's a news source, but their credibility is on the line pretty heavily here. The company sued the news giant in 2021 after several hosts promoted wild and unfounded claims. That is, uh, voting machines were used to deny Trump the election, including lies that the devices could be rigged to switch votes for one candidate or another. No fucking evidence to support those claims. Trump lost the election to Biden by more than 7 million votes. So it was, I mean, if there was election fraud, it would have to be fucking huge to accomplish that. But there wasn't, so it's all ridiculous. Now, when pressed by Dominion lawyers during a deposition last month, Murdoch said Fox News hosts Sean Hannity, Lou Dobbs, Maria Bartiromo, and Janine Pirro all endorsed the notion that the election was stolen. Yes, they did. Yes, Murdoch said in his deposition, they endorsed. He stressed that the false statements came from the host, but did not say that Fox as an entity endorsed those statements. Well, yeah, they did. They aired the motherfucker. Still, the revelations will likely bolster Dominion's evidence as it seeks to recover vast damages it says it suffered after the attacks. And, you know, frankly, I think it's reasonable to think they have lost some credibility and uh, have some damages. Murdoch added, I would like, I would have liked us to be stronger in denouncing it in hindsight. Well, of course you would. Now you're getting sued for a billion six. Fox defended itself in a fiery statement after the deposition was released. Dominion's lawsuit has always been more about what will generate headlines than what can withstand legal and factual scrutiny. Well, that's ironic that they would be complaining about somebody trying to control the headlines because that's what Fox does for a fucking business. (sighs) Uh, (laughs) Projection again. Projection again. As always, that's what these fucks do. So again, he said, Dominion's lawsuit has always been more about what will generate headlines than what can withstand legal and factual scrutiny, as illustrated by them now being forced to slash their fanciful damages demanded by more than half a billion dollars after their own expert debunked its implausible claims, which isn't true. The damages claims remains, a company spokesman said. For whatever reason, Rupert Murdoch said they dropped their amount to 500 uh, $500 million, which wasn't true. As Foxwell knows, our damages exceed $1.6 billion. New York Times reported the latest court filing by Dominion's lawyers also included a plea from former GOP House Speaker Paul Ryan. Ryan said under oath that they that uh, he reached out to Murdoch and his son Lachlan Murdoch that Fox should not be spreading conspiracy theories and should move on from Donald Trump. Now a separate legal filing this month 
is kind of interesting. It revealed a slate of text messages between key Fox News hosts and network executives, um, Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, basically all suggesting that they know that it's a fake. But they still had these people on the programs. Now, in addition to what was in these evidence is another one that may cost Rupert Murdoch and Jared Kushner some indictments themselves. Now, after the latest bombshell court filing from Dominion uh, Dominion voting machines was made public Monday ahead of the April trial, that's coming up in April. We're not that far off. It's virtually March here now. It included in the filing is a brief section looking at contact between Rupert Murdoch and then-President Donald Trump's 2020 presidential campaign, specifically Trump's son-in-law and advisor, Jared Kushner. Now, the voting technology company is suing Fox News, alleging the network knowingly aired election lies and conspiracy theories about the 2020 presidential elections. However, there's more to this. Executives at all levels of Fox, both Fox News Network and Fox Corporation, knowingly opened Fox Airways to false conspiracy theories about Dominion. Now, Dominion wrote in the unsealed filing Monday, during Trump's campaign, Rupert provided Trump's son-in-law and senior advisor, Jared Kushner, with Fox confidential information about Biden's ads, along with a debate strategy. That's a, that's a problem. That is a problem. But on re- election night, Rupert would not help with the Arizona call. As Rupert described it, my friend Jared Kushner called me saying, this is terrible, and I could hear Trump's voice in the background shouting, added the filing, noting the ongoing contact between Murdoch and the Trump campaign, the extent of which was not previously reported. So there was a time when Fox News called their coverage fair and balanced. This doesn't sound fair or balanced, does it? Fox News released a statement regarding the latest Dominion document and uh, obviously suggested that uh, that wasn't true either. But it was true because it's in Rupert Murdoch's own words. They knew they were lying. Rupert Murdoch knew they were lying, but instead they chose to air the lies on their network. And they did this only for one reason. When they gave Arizona to Biden, they saw a big backlash from their viewers. And they started losing a few viewers here and there. So they said, no, we can't have that. We still got to make money. So they changed it up. And they started lying again. And of course, that's what the dumb fucks wanted to hear. Whether it was true or not really had no bearing on the matter. They just wanted to hear the dirt, the scandal, the lies. And that's what they kept doing. Rupert Rupert Murdoch confessed to knowing and not doing anything about it. He also confessed uh, that he was giving information to Jared Kushner prior to the 2020 election about Biden's ad buys and his debate strategies. That's where it could get illegal. That's where we could be dealing with some campaign issues. And those those two things could get those two fucking clowns some indictments. So we'll see what happens with that. It's just a matter of time before it starts to get flushed out. April is the date of the trial. Fox News has done whatever they could to try to cover themselves or try to distract, divert, and delay. But none of that has worked to this point, and now they're going to have to own up to it. It's not looking good for them in this particular trial. I mean, as much as Fox News and Rupert Murdoch has a lot of money, so does Dominion Voting Machines. Maybe not even as much as Fox News, but they've got enough to shove this down Rupert Murdoch's 91-year-old throat. I have a feeling that after this goes down and the lawsuit 
is uh, won by Dominion that uh, Mr. Murdoch will resign and hand it over to his kids, who seem to be a little more reasonable, but still, they're a party to the situation as it stands now, so I don't give much hope that things will get better with Fox News after Rupert is gone. I know a lot of people think that Jared Kushner is getting away clean. He is not. He is under scrutiny, too, for situations like this, for getting $2 billion for fucking nothing. I know that uh, Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump were subpoenaed by Jack Smith and the DOJ. And they're likely to be found culpable for some crimes. And that's why I think they'll do something to limit how much punishment they might be in for by throwing Donald Trump under the bus. We're very close with the DOJ. We're very close with Georgia. Not sure about New York. But things are starting to pop here. And I know everybody out there, I get this fucking all the time. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing ever happens. Well, a lot of shit has happened and you know it. But these indictments are going to fall. There's really no other option. They wouldn't have spent this much time and this much money doing this if something weren't going to come out of it. Now, I know that that the DOJ and even Georgia, maybe for that matter, are concerned about indicting a former president because what if they lost? But can you imagine what kind of backlash they're going to get after seeing all this evidence from the J6 committee, all this evidence from the DOJ, all this evidence from Dominion, all this evidence from Georgia, and nothing happens? Oh, you want to talk about a fucking backlash? That's going to get downright ugly. And the Democrats and liberals of this country are going to be screaming bloody murder. And you know what? They know that. They know that. The very thing they're worried about when it comes to indicting a former president, they know it's worse if they don't indict him. And that's why he will be indicted. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Before we get to the next story, I just want to touch base with you on the weather here where I'm at in Minnesota. You remember I was telling you about this storm that came through. We ended up getting about 13, 14 inches, which is about 10 inches less than they expected. But don't get me wrong, 13 inches is a lot of fucking snow and it causes problems. But by the next day here in Minnesota, we have enough plows and shit. The roads are open. It's no problem at all. Now, yesterday, the temperature got up to about 34, 35. So the shit starts melting. Now we've got water all over the place. And you're thinking, oh, my God, spring is here. No, it's not fucking here in Minnesota. Shit, we can get snow as late as May. But anyway, so we've got the water running in the streets because of the warm weather. And the warm weather is going to continue, or at least warmer, in the freezing range of, say, about 32 degrees, 34 degrees, maybe 31 degrees. But there's another snowstorm coming through. It could be one to three inches. Not a big deal. But here's the fucking problem. It could be snow. It could be rain. It could be an ice storm. Now, I tell you what, when it comes to the roads in Minnesota, I would far rather have have snow than fucking ice. Because ice, that gets sketchy. If you've not lived in an area that has winter like we have winter, you can't imagine the feeling of being on ice, stepping on the brakes and having nothing happen and having cars in front of you or a ditch on the side of you. It's really kind of, what's the word? You feel like you have no control, mainly because you have no fucking control. And you really got to play the game a little bit with, uh, with icy conditions. You've got to drive really slow. You've got to plan on stopping well in advance of where you're going to stop. And even then, you can still hit a real slick patch and keep sliding. It's like fucking curling out there, you know. You throw this stone really slowly, but it keeps going and going and going. And that can happen to cars. So it's kind of fucked up. So we'll see what this next storm brings. It's not going to be as 
as bad as what we saw, but the fact that it's kind of warm and right on the edge of freezing, that's going to make it worse. So we'll see how this fucking plays out. I'm not going out in the fucking weather if I can avoid it. That's supposed to happen later tonight, so we'll see what the fuck is up. All right, let's talk about Florida since we're talking about warmer weather and stupider people. And I'm talking specifically about Ron DeSantis. I just want to say I talk a lot of shit about Florida. And some people take offense to it because they think I'm damning all of Florida. I am not. I like Florida. I love Florida. There's a lot of places I've been to in Florida, and I'd like to go back. Unfortunately, I don't feel safe there. Everybody's got a gun. Women don't have rights to their body. You can't find a book to save your fucking soul. So... I don't really have that desire to go down there. But you remember Ron DeSantis had this big kerfuffle with Disney. Yeah, that was a good move, Ronnie. Fight with Disney, the company that probably brings in as much tax money as anybody else in your state because your state is about tourism. You're doing everything in the world to make it that people don't want to come there, which is going to crush your economy. But Ron DeSantis is more about his ego, of course. Well, what he wanted to do is take away Disney's autonomy. You have to understand what Disney had. They're a big corporation. They were uh, lured to Florida when they first went down there with Disney World. They already had Disneyland in California. They wanted Disney World, and it was going to be a big boon for the state. So they pretty much give them everything they want. But it was kind of an interesting situation with the Reedy Creek Improvement District, about 25,000 acres that Disney has self-governed for decades. Now, what that means is they run everything, the water, the garbage, the fire department, the police department, everything. The state of Florida doesn't have to do anything. They do it for themselves. Kind of a good deal for Florida. They've got this big draw to their state, bringing money to the state, and they don't even have to financially support it. Well, the folks at Disney had the audacity to question Ron DeSantis' decision to not allow LGBTQ people their constitutional rights. And Disney says, well, fuck that. You come to Disney, you're not going to have to deal with that shit. We treat everybody equal, whether you're black, white, um, whatever you are, LGBTQ, transgender, we don't care. And that got Ron DeSantis butthurt. So he says, we're going to take away all your powers, and I'll show you. <laughs> but then we find out if they do that, then it's going to throw about another $2 billion onto taxes. How's that going to work for you, Ron? You raise everybody's taxes just because you're a dumb fuck and you got your feelings hurt. Well, I think he, he's trying to weasel his way around this. Ron DeSantis on Monday signed a bill ending Walt Disney World's self-governing status and establishing a new state-controlled district, giving the governor's mansion more power over the theme park and its surrounding acreage. Now, it would be a hard thing to do, but I would laugh my fucking ass off if Disney says, fuck it, we're shutting this thing down and we're going to put it someplace else. Then what are you going to do, Ron? That's that's easier said than done. We're talking 25,000 acres. We're talking a lot of time and money into this place. But if I'm Disney, I'm picking out another place, and I'm going to start building something there. And when it's done, I'm going to say, Ronnie, suck my dick. (laughs) Can you see Mickey Mouse saying that? Ron, suck my dick. (laughs) Anyway, Ron said, Allowing a corporation to control its own government is bad policy. Well, why did you fucking sign that deal? Because it was a good deal for Florida. He says, especially when the corporation makes decisions that impact an entire region, as opposed to a government who makes decisions to violate the constitutional rights of a group of people. 
This legislation ends Disney's self-governing status, makes Disney live under the same laws as everybody else, and ensures that Disney pays its debt and fair share of taxes, DeSantis said in a statement. The bill ends Disney's control over the Reedy Creek Improvement District, 25,000 acres, as I said. Now, the Florida governor's move to greenlight the legislation comes after Disney pushed back against the state's parental rights in education law, which limits instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity in primary schools and became the don't say gay law. Now, after Disney knocked the law, all they said is we don't agree with that law. DeSantis began pushing back against what his office has called an unaccountable corporate kingdom that you made fucking money that made the state for 40 years. The new law allows DeSantis to appoint a five-member board subject to state confirmation that would govern the Reedy Creek Improvement District in Disney's stead. Now, DeSantis, who won re-election to the governor's mansion during the November midterms, is notably rumored, of course, to be running for president. I don't know. Not after he goes through this fuck-up, because you see... There are some rules and regulations to the deal they had. And if this Reedy Creek development thing was shut down, Florida was responsible for a lot of the bills. Now, he can't change that. The deal is the deal. But he's not talking about that. But think about this. How do the taxes not go up? Disney handled all the water, handled all the garbage, handled all the communications, handled the police and the fire department. But now, now, state of Florida has to do it. I'm sure Disney's sitting back going, oh, that's terrible. I hate this. I hate this. Well, whatever. There's no way this doesn't raise taxes on people in the state of Florida. I mean, the fact of the matter is, we know Republicans will fucking lie to your face, so I have a feeling that Ron DeSantis, as much as he says they're going to pay their fair share of taxes, which is weird, that seems contrary to the policy for Republicans, having rich companies pay their fair taxes. Wow, that's an interesting concept. Now, if that works in Florida, maybe we should do it throughout the fucking country. Anyhow, we're going to see how this plays out, but I can guarantee you, in the end, Ronnie DeSantis isn't going to look good, and there's going to be some pissed-off constituents in Florida. While on the topic of Ronnie DeSantis, apparently former President Donald Trump is attacking said Ron DeSantis on Fox News on Monday, accusing the network of downplaying his popularity over Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. You're being too nice to Ron DeSantis. You should be talking about me. Well, if they were reporting about the investigations and the impending indictments, they could be talking about you, but you wouldn't like that either. Fox News is promoting Ron DeSantis so hard and so much that there's not much time left for real news. Don, that's what Trump wrote on True Social. Donnie, there is no real news on Fox News, you dumb fuck. The new Fox poll, which, always, which have always been purposely terrible for me, has Trump crushing desanctimonious, but they barely show it. Isn't there a big, beautiful network which wants to do well and make a fortune besides fake news, he added? Now, Trump was referring to a Fox News poll published on Sunday that showed him leading DeSantis by 15 points in a hypothetical 2024 presidential face-off. Apparently, the former president feels the network didn't give enough airtime to the poll, which was mentioned on the air at least twice, according to Forbes. It isn't that he didn't, he felt like they didn't talk enough about him. It's that they had the audacity to talk about somebody else, whether that be Ron DeSantis or maybe they talk about Nikki Haley or any other fucking clown that's going to try to get the Republican nomination. Donnie Trump's not happy unless you're talking about Donnie Trump and only Donnie Trump. 
Now, Trump has repeatedly lashed out at Fox News in recent months, while many of the network's hosts continue to support him. Some of them have been a little less sycophantic, sycophantic in the wake of the midterm elections. Now, Rupert Murdoch is trying to distance his media empire from Trump and is turning instead to DeSantis, Trump's potential rival for the 2024 Republican nomination. Now, Ron hasn't even announced he's running for president as yet, which is interesting. And it's intriguing that Donnie Trump is so upset about it because he feels threatened. Here's Ron DeSantis, who's just as bad as Donald Trump spewing a lot of the same things that Donald Trump is saying. And Donnie's thinking, you're stealing my gig, bitch. You can't do that. Well, Donnie, you're you're weakening here, and you don't really have the power you once had. And according to court documents released on Monday, as I said earlier, Murdoch admitted under oath during a deposition for Dominion Voting Systems that his host endorsed conspiracy theories that weren't true. So who here has any credibility? Ron, Donnie, Rupert? None of them have any fucking credibility. They're all liars. They're all stupid. Because they do it right in front of people's faces. Only the dumb of us, dumbest of us, will buy into it. And unfortunately, there's about 25-30% of this country that are the dumbest of us. Trump recently called Fox News a rhino network Republican in name only after the court filings from the case revealed that the host said what they said. Fox News issued a statement on Monday calling Dominion's lawsuit extreme, unsupported view of defamation of law. Now, the weird part of this is is that, as I said, DeSantis has not announced a 2024 presidential run. We expect he will, but he's going to wait until, you know, things start to shake out a little bit, you know, try to uh, um, let the dust settle, if you will. But everybody's going to jump on DeSantis's bandwagon. But I'm telling you right now, between now and 2024, shit is going to fall apart for Ron DeSantis. It's too early in the game. You've got the Democrats looking at DeSantis. They're probably not worried about him. Donnie Trump can't beat him in an election, and Ron DeSantis probably won't beat him in an election either. But Donald Trump will spend every waking hour trying to destroy Ron DeSantis. And since we know Donald Trump has a tendency to get dirt, or at least try to get dirt on people, I'm sure there's plenty of dirt on Ron DeSantis. Sometime between now and 2024, Ron DeSantis is going to go down the shitter too. I've said before, I'll say it again. Whoever is going to be the candidate for the Republican Party in 2024, we don't know who that is. We have no fucking clue. Now, Donnie Trump has announced some trade policy attached to his 2024 run for the GOP uh, presidential nomination. <laughs> and, you know, he said, well, first of all, we're going to get Zelensky and, uh, and, and Putin in a room and we're going to knock some heads. We'll straighten out this Ukraine war thing quick, fast and in a hurry. Yeah, that's not going to work. But here's another policy that I find kind of interesting that Donald Trump is saying he's going to do when he becomes president. <laughs> he says he's including to vow to ban all imports from China in four years. All imports from China. He's not thinking ahead on this deal, because I have a feeling a lot of very wealthy people built their businesses on things they import from China. Just about every company in this country has some connection to imports from China, and he's going to ban them. What's that going to do to these companies? It's going to force them to go out of business or force them to deal with American stuff, which will be dramatically higher in price and cause the prices on the retail level to be higher. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad idea. 
But this economy cannot handle that, and these companies are not going to stand for it. If you've now pissed off all these wealthy companies, Donnie, how do you think you're going to do in the election? Nobody's going to be supporting you. Nobody will be giving you money except, you know, except the Trumplefucks who pick the coins out of their fucking couch. Those are the only people that will still give you money. Dumb motherfucker. Trump released a video and a statement via his PAC detailing the plan. You ever listen to Donnie's plans? None of them make any sense. They aren't thought out. He just pulls it out of his ass and starts spewing this shit. He said, the heart of my vision is a sweeping pro-American overhaul of our tax and trade policy to move from the Biden system that punishes domestic producers and rewards outsourcers to a system that rewards domestic production and taxes foreign companies and those who export American jobs. You know what he should do? You know what Donald should do if he becomes president with China? He should put some tariffs on. We know how well that went last time. To achieve this goal, he'll phase in a system of universal baseline tariffs. Oh, yeah, there you go. Didn't we try that already? And didn't that go pretty badly? Didn't that fuck up the economy? Yeah, I think it did. On top of this, higher tariffs will increase incrementally depending on how much individual foreign countries devalue their currency. They devalue their currency to take advantage of the United States, and they subsidize their industries. Now, here's the thing. We've talked about tariffs. The Trumplefucks loved tariffs because they said, gee, we're going to make China pay more. But China doesn't pay more. Nobody pays more with a tariff uh, on their country's side of it. We fucking pay for it. If it's more expensive for them to import into this country, what happens? The prices go up and we pay for it. We've been through this already. Donnie, Donnie fucking one note. You're taking a poor policy that didn't work, and now you're putting it out there hoping it's going to get you elected president. My God, what the fuck are you thinking about? Now, as tariffs on foreign producers go up, taxes on American producers will go down and go down very substantially, and that means a lot of jobs coming in. Well, I got to tell you, Donnie, Joe Biden has already created more jobs than any president in history. You're going to improve on that? And that's funny you should mention that because while Donnie Trump was in office, he is the only president to leave office with fewer jobs than when he came in. So excuse me for not believing you. He goes on to say, not only will this system end our gaping trade deficits, and they are massive right now, and bring back millions of American jobs. Donnie, Joe Biden is creating more jobs than anybody in history. And at this point, we, we don't have enough people to fill the fucking jobs. More jobs isn't the answer. Better pay for the people. More support of the people is what it is. And you know what? You're not fucking mentioning it here at all. <sighs> Donnie talks with dog whistles and bullshit. And uh, uh, for whatever that's worth, none of it works. I mean, if Donnie really thought this stuff would, uh, would work, why didn't he do it in the first four years? I mean, let's be perfectly honest. First two years, Donnie had the House and the Senate, and he couldn't get shit done. He didn't get jack shit done. He didn't get anything passed. He was going to bring us uh, health care. Never happened. He was going to bring us infrastructure. Never happened. But guess what Joe Biden did within his first two years? He got us infrastructure. Your infrastructure week, Donnie, was a fucking joke. People were laughing at you about it because you couldn't get anything put to fucking gather. And now you're standing on this uh, on this uh, podium screaming that you're, you've got all the answers. Well, Donnie, I haven't seen you answer one fucking thing. Hey, did you know Ron DeSantis wrote a book? Oh, I bet that was a good one. I hope it had a lot of pictures. Because God knows you don't have a lot to say. Apparently his new memoir, Jesus Christ, Ron, you were just the governor and you were a congressman for a short time. 
You're writing a goddamn memoir? I could write a better fucking memoir than yours. It would be more entertaining. Anyway, his new memoir, memoir was subject to a scathing review from the New York Times' Jennifer Zali, uh, Zali. I probably didn't pronounce that right, but who gives a fuck? Every sign points to Florida governor running for the Republican nomination in 2024, hence the book. Part of that push toward becoming the GOP's next standard bearer is writing a book about his experiences in Florida. The new book is painfully unimpressive, though according to the New York Times book review, it's not very good. Now, this critic begins her column. See how I did that? I can't pronounce her name, so I just didn't say it this time. But you know who I'm talking about. As governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis has been casting himself as a Trump-like pugilist. But the overall sense you get from reading this new memoir is that of a mechanical tryhard. Now, the reviewer continues, his new book will leave some supporters who have encouraged DeSantis to humanize himself for a national audience sorely disappointed. In his acknowledgment, he thanks a hardworking team of literary professionals who were critical to telling the Florida story. But presumably, those uh, professionals could only do so much with the material they were given because the book is shit. The courage to be free is courageously free of anything that resembles charisma or a discernible sense of humor. Critic closes by saying the bullying sense of superiority is unmistakable. Even when he tries to gussy it up in a mantle of freedom, DeSantis is not taking any chances. He may have been able to withstand the indoctrination of being exposed to ideas he didn't like, but he doesn't seem to believe the same could be said for anyone else. You notice that there's a lot of people, a lot of Trumplifucks writing books. But the one common ground that they have is nobody's fucking buying them. Nobody's reading them. And those that have read them say they are shit. <laughs> and he wants to be president. Remember what John Kennedy wrote before he became president? He wrote a little tome called Profiles in Courage that was a bestseller. That was a compelling book. Helped him win the presidency. I see Ron DeSantis trying to pull the same rabbit out of his hat, but he fucking failed again. Here's another thing that happened to Ron DeSantis that's not going to help him get the um, nomination for the presidency. Former Florida Governor Jeb Bush, you remember him, low-energy Jeb, according to Donald Trump, he was one of the people that ran against Donald Trump in the primary in 2016 and lost. He was expected to be the front runner. Everybody thought he would win because his brother George W. was president. And his dad, George H.W., was his president. But <laughs> Jeb Bush came out with a presidential endorsement video of Ron DeSantis, even though he hasn't said he's running as yet. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, why would Jeb Bush do that? Well, he's probably looking for a cabinet job if Ron DeSantis had any fucking prayer of winning. But this isn't good news for Ron DeSantis. The endorsement came even though DeSantis has not yet announced to run for president challenging Trump, but has continually made staffing moves and public comments indicating that he's considering it. We know he's considering it. Everybody wants him to. That's a Trump fuck, so he will. Now, the problem is this endorsement is likely to blow up into Santos's face. That was written by Jerry Wilson for the right-wing blog Red State on Monday. Remember that Bush was one of the, if not the leading candidate for the 2016 Republican presidential nomination pre-Trump, Wilson wrote. Bush was and remains revered by the GOP old guard. His never-Trump credentials are unquestionable. However, the few never-Trumpers remain to despise DeSantis with as much, if not more, fervor than Trump. To have one of their patron saints praise DeSantis must be inducing a large-scale wailing and gnashing of teeth. You see, having somebody like Jeb Bush back up 
Ron DeSantis isn't good. We know that Jeb Bush hates Donald Trump. And if they're trying to transfer Donald Trump's followers to Ron DeSantis, that's not going to play well. The problem, wrote Wilson, is that Bush is part of a network of past-their-prime anti-Trump Republicans who are anathema to the sort of right-wing base voters DeSantis needs to persuade to abandon Trump for him. So Jeb Bush comes out, endorses endorses DeSantis, and these Trumplefucks are looking at uh, Donald Trump as dead in the water, so they got to find some other fucking cretin like Ron DeSantis, and they're going to get on board. But wait a minute. Jeb Bush likes him. We hate Jeb Bush because he hates Donald Trump. He's an old white man. We want DeSantis, but why does Jeb Bush want him? The only less desirable endorsements would be from Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, and Paul Ryan, wrote Wilson. Include Liz Cheney as well. Since DeSantis has yet to announce if he will run in 2024, his present course of openly ignoring Trump's attacks against him has no pitfalls. One suspects that if DeSantis does run, Trump will wield Bush's endorsement as a bludgeon against DeSantis, associating with the self-same establishment. Oh, you guarantee he'll fucking do that. He's going to say, well, if Jeb Bush endorses him, then we got fucking problems because they don't like Jeb Bush. This comes as other Republicans have jumped into or are planning to jump into the race, including U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, who are attempting to distinguish themselves from Trump with an optimism message, but are walking a tightrope of not being too critical of the former president. In fact, I've watched people say, well, what would you do different than Donald Trump? And they all say the same thing. Uh, nothing. Really? You wouldn't change anything that Donald Trump did. You'd have the same policies. Give rich people all the money, take the money from the middle class. That's what you're saying? That's what you would continue to do? This whole thing for this primary, for the nomination, the Republican nomination for the presidency, is going to be an absolute shit show. Donald Trump is going to tear down Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is going to end up in pieces. People like Tim Scott and Nikki Haley, God bless them if they win the nomination because they will get their asses kicked by any Democrat. Fucking any Democrat you put up there will kick their asses. The Republicans really don't have a candidate. Now, I know a lot of people are worried that Ron DeSantis is going to run. I'm going to tell you again, I don't think Ron DeSantis can weather the storm between now and 2024. There's a storm that's going to hit him. The Republicans are going to be fighting amongst themselves. And then he's going to have to deal with Donald Trump tearing him down at every turn. At some point, Ron DeSantis is going to have to step up and fight back. If he doesn't, that's going to cost him the election. But if he does, Donald Trump will probably tear him to shreds just by talking longer and louder like he tends to do. Ron DeSantis is not in a good position. He hasn't announced that he's running for president as yet, and I'll be perfectly honest with you, I don't know if he will. There'll be so much shit happening with the Republican Party, he might be better off saying, you know what, I'm going to lay low for a little bit, and I'll go in 2028. That's what politicians do. They look for the right time to run. And I don't know if Ron DeSantis is ever going to have a right time to run, but I don't think this is a good one. Because even if he runs and he's associated with or compared to Donald Trump, he's going to fucking lose. And that's what politicians don't like to do. They don't like to walk into something where they know they're going to lose. That's how Bill Clinton got to be president. You know that, right? Back when Bill Clinton, before Bill Clinton was going to run against uh, George H.W. Bush. You have to remember, at first, George H.W. Bush, at one point, had one of the highest approval ratings of any president in history. So a lot of the um, Democrats were saying, I don't want any part of that. I'm not going to go in there and get my ass kicked. But then the economy went to shit. 
Bill Clinton already had a sniffer in there. He got a stronghold. And now this shitty little governor from Arkansas that had really no experience is now running against George H.W. Bush. The economy sucks. Bill Clinton wins. One-term George H.W. Bush. Same thing is happening here. Nobody really knows what's going to happen in 2024. Is Trump going to be there? Is he not going to be there? I'll tell you, he's not going to be there. But in these fucks' minds, they're not sure. So they're questioning whether they're going to jump in. And Donald Trump will run this down to the very end. These folks will not have enough time to mount a real campaign without having to bow to Donald Trump. So this is why the presidential election in 2024 is going to be an absolute shit show for the Republicans. All right, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. I hope you have a great day, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.